This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Jennifer! Richard, happy anniversary! Happy anniversary to us! Happy anniversary to us! I listened to you on Thanksgiving in 2014 and had to know you. <laughs> but here we are. I, You know, you asked me the other day what, how long it's been. And I had to look it up, and I was shocked, shocked to discover that we met seven years ago. And that was December 9th, because I had written down psychic Manhattan Beach. That's that was you, obviously. Right. And I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know the difference between a medium and a psychic and a psychic and a medium. But uh, wow. And we went to the, the Mexican restaurant. That was our first encounter, believe it or not. Yeah, I had ponchos written down there. Anyway, and here we are and uh, have a new book out, which is behind me, the cover of the book. It is so cute. Where did you get that cover? Well, it's this angel that's playing a a guitar, a lute. Um, And, you know, from what it looks like, playing a a D flat, D sharp. Anyways, and the, the idea was to find something it's so perfect. It's so yeah. perfect. So just for the listeners, just for you guys to know, since we've met since 2014, how many books have you written about our work? Uh, well, about our work together, we met during Hacking the Afterlife. So it really, the, then the three books, Backstage Pass and the flip side. Right. And then you did your architecture. Yeah. And so these are books that Richard has done that I've been a part of. It's been like five books. Since 2014. That's crazy. And seven years. And then how many movies? <laughs> well, documentary wise, uh, just two. About two. talking to Bill Paxson and then right. Hacking the Afterlife, both on Gaia. Gaia. Oh. And then on top of that, how many, how many podcasts? Oh, my God. Well, you know, we've been meeting every week. For seven years, which is, what do you do every week for seven years? I don't know. You know, a couple of times. We never know. Yeah, a couple couple of times we've missed each other. But I mean, roughly, I can't think of anything in my life that I've been doing for seven years every week. But, and what's funny about it is we've talked about this. You know, you kind of go into a zone, like a basketball player, suddenly, you know, in the midst of a three-point shot, you're not thinking about the shot. And right. I go into some weird zone of like just asking questions that I, I was just actually, I just posted a podcast that we did in 2019, April, because uh, I was looking for something that didn't have our usual noisy restaurant in oh. the background. Yeah. And it, it was a fascinating conversation with Stephen Hawking, which is in the book, Tuning Into the Afterlife, an excerpt of it, because there's a musical portion of that interview. I tried to go through all our work and look for all the stuff that has to do with music and frequency and understanding what frequency is and how it works. I just love the fact that Jimi Hendrix shows up every time. Like, it is really funny when I start listening, like he did, cause I never put it together. You know, you put all the threads together. He's done this, this. he's always the interviewer. Like he is the guy over there. Who, who shows up so often. And it was he's his Johnny, birthday yesterday. He was a Johnny. Yes. Happy birthday. Happy sister. birthday to Jimmy. I mean, I look, it's so odd when you, especially when you're a fan of musicians, as I've been, you know, as we all are. And I'm in my life, I got a chance to be a music critic for Variety. So that was fun. And I got to meet some, you know, great musicians. But ultimately, this is a whole different thing because you're we're talking about their hopes and dreams and fears and what happened when they crossed over and who they were met by. And different people have spoken to us about this powerful emotion of feeling unconditional love for the first time in their lives sometimes you know they they were loved by fans but not that kind of unconditional love that you get from you know well i love this book so you when i said happy anniversary to you on thanksgiving day (laughs) 
And he's like, what? what? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's when I found you. That's your anniversary. Yeah. I heard your voice for the first time. Well, tell people why, why did you hear me for the first time? Okay. Uh, so I, was just, I was researching. I'll never forget. I was sitting on my stairs. I'm like, I'm going to have about seven hours to do of dishes. Cause my husband, thank God, who I love does all the cooking for many people, but I get stuck with the dishes. Now I'm not stuck. I actually love doing them. I'm like, I always, you know, I always download a book. I started researching. I'm like, oh, let me look at past life regression. Let me look at, you know, afterlife. And your name popped up. I'm like, it's a wonderful afterlife. And I thought, you know what? I love that movie. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to, you know, I am going to download this book. And then I started listening to it. And you referenced Santa Monica. I'm like, Santa Monica is like a hop and a skip from where I live in Manhattan Beach. It's like literally 10, 12 to 14 miles away. And I thought, Hmm. And I started listening to it and it's a long book. It's like seven hours, right? Seven or eight hours I, in audio. I probably, that is two books. Listening to the cat in the background. And you know, right. like <laughs> it was like one of the, which now it's not like that, but it was so fascinating to me. It hit a chord where I'm like, I have to meet this guy. It's kind of like, I need the new iPhone. I need the new iPhone. <laughs> anyway. And so I reached out to him. And that's how this all began. But our work, I look at our work, which it, it would not like, yes, I participate by being the medium, but you've done such great work in getting this out there to so many people. I have clients all over the world that that check in with you on Cora, didn't know who Cora was when you no, started you like years ago. And now you've had over 25 million views. You've had, I mean, people all over the world you know, are now like putting reviews on there about me, you know, they're like <laughs> verbatim what I say. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. And I mean, I, I encourage it, which is, you know, somebody you called bad or indifferent. I'm going to have days where I might get the interpretation incorrect, you know, please. That, put it and you know, there. that what that's what makes you such a unique person and unique medium, because there's so many mediums who go into this. In fact, there's a article in the New York times today about an author I've never heard of her, but she's in in the Southland. She she calls herself a spirit medium, and she's got a huge clientele of like celebrities. And so there's that kind of, you know, well, if a celebrity, you know, that kind of gives her a verification. Anyway, I don't know her work. So do I'm I. Sure, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure she's really good at what she does and heals people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there is there is a description of her going into a trance and shaking and doing all that stuff and her voice changes and, you know, that kind of thing, which is fine. That's, you know, that's another avenue. But the point is what Jennifer and I have been doing, and I think successfully, is showing people that it, you don't need to find someone else. You need to find the person within. You really need to open your heart up to the possibility that you can talk to a loved one who's no longer on the planet. So in this book, in your most recent book, which I love, which by the way, you guys, I should not have to pay for the book, but I do anyways. <laughs> I love it. No, you shouldn't. But I also ordered the hard copy and I cannot wait to get the hard copy. Oh, you're so funny. I, I, I think I have a copy for you. But, but that's not, that's not the point. I love it so much. And I don't like hearing myself. Anybody that knows me, I don't watch the shows that I've been on, the television shows I've been on. I don't watch any of the podcasts. This book, listening to this book, because he does have other mediums in it, is so amazing. If you listen to it with an open heart and you listen to it, watch what I want to express. Watch the thoughts that come into your mind as you're listening to this book. Because you're going to have your loved ones with you. While you listen to this book, they're going to put images in your mind why Richard discusses the ways to get images or the ways to get like, it's almost like a workbook in and of itself. Cause I started listening to it a couple days, you know, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, <laughs> super excited. And I started, my dad started giving me pictures and images when Richard was talking about a picture or an image, like it, it, watch, you can see, your loved ones with you while you're watching, while you're listening to the book or while you're reading the book. It's actually and, very fascinating. And for those tuning in for the first time or last time, uh, Jennifer's dad, 
has come through a number of times. And it's he's fascinating because he tells us things, new information that we could, that you could not possibly know. And the thing that I just posted today was that was that incident when you were a small child and you had that uh, experience of being cooked in a car, you know, left in a car. And somehow that affected your ability to whatever, can communicate with the other side. But your yeah. dad comes through so clearly and he has so many insightful things to say about the process and about the journey. I, and so, I mean, my point is when you have a loved one who's on the other side, because you have a connection to them, because you know their sense of humor, you know the way they laugh, and you know the kind of sides they would make, it's a wonderful thing to access them, to ask them questions about your path or questions about whatever's going on on the planet. Everyone because has, it was, it's the, it's, sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt. Please it do. Is, it's fine. It is, the, it is the, the figure eight, like doing the, the triple, quadruple, quadruple axis, you know, jump in figure skating. No one could do a certain jump. And then all of a sudden when one person does it, now everybody can do it. We have done that. That's what they compared it to in your book. Cause you, you said this in a recent chapter that I was just listening to. It's the figure skating effect. Yeah. It's the fact that once you make it that once you, once someone does it once, then everybody else can, thinks that they can actually try it or do it. Right. Right. Whether they do it as well as that person is irrespective of that. doesn't matter. They actually now are unleashed to knowing that it can be done. The possibility of it can be, can be done. And that's exactly what we have done with our podcast, with the books that you've written about this work. Um, we are doing our best to give you guys the authority, which you've always had, but to connect your awareness to the authority that you know that you could do this, that you could talk to your loved ones, that it's not something that's only for mediums or for people that, you know, like you that, you know, write about this work. It's for everyone. Everyone. And the, and the frequencies, this book takes at what I believe all the essence of all your books, you know, into this book. And it's so amazing. I'm mm -hmm. super excited just listening to it. And I, what I meant before, I was, I hate listening about myself or about what, but it, I don't remember the things that I say. So no, you don't, you do I'm not like, remember. Oh, yeah, Aretha Franklin. And yeah, she didn't, <laughs> she said that I wasn't talking to her. Like, that's what I'm talking about. There's, you know, you put it in there. We're not trying to say everything's perfect or the way that I do this work is perfect. In fact, it it's interpretation. And just remember that with everything, with anything, art is interpretation. Music is interpretation. People's, some people like rock music versus, you know, opera music. Everything is interpreted. Well, I love, uh, you know, the comparison for me is a little bit like watching this um, Get Back, you know, that they have on uh, Apple Plus, you know, uh, Peter Jackson took all that Beatle footage. And I've been reflecting on it because, of course, we haven't seen the Beatles since 1969 perform, but we never got a chance to see them intimately chatting with each other, making songs up, trying to figure out. At one point, John Lennon says, where is Tucson? Is Tucson in Arizona? And Paul McCartney says, yeah, that's where they film High Chaparral, you know, a TV show in the 1960s. And you can just see because they were in a hurry to finish this album for this special. They were just making stuff up as they went along. People out in the world, hearing their music, reading their music, took it so seriously. They made such a huge thing out of it. You know, what did they say today? But in essence, you know, you can see artists creating as they go along. My comparison is when you watch someone like Jennifer, who is talking aloud, about what she's seeing and thinking about it. Like, wait a second, is that person still on the planet? Oh, they are. Okay, then why am I seeing this person? And it becomes this interpretation of symbols and thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. So. And because I see, and just, you know, I just had a wonderful reading with this woman who came to my office just now, right before this podcast, right before we started, um, doing this. And by the way, I'm super excited that we have the chance to do it on Sunday. Um, the reason, the reason why is COVID is still around you guys. <laughs> A client actually said that he might've been, you know, exposed, been exposed. Or and so of course they couldn't come and they did that this morning. They told me this morning, 
just to let you guys know, it is still around. And my clients all over the world right now, it, they're shutting countries down. It is yeah. a thing. Please still wear your, if, if, if you, nobody, I don't know how to do this without being, just be who you are within it, be responsible. But like, if you do get exposed, please let people know. You know, yeah. and we, we did. No one's ever going to say, oh, well, then you missed out. No. Well, making- a year and a half ago, we we went about asking questions, uh, you know, to the guy who discovered the polio vaccine, Jonas Salk, somebody who would know. And we asked him just when the pandemic started, what can we do? Aside, right. vaccines hadn't been invented yet. But what could we do aside from the, you know, the simple, obvious stuff? And he specifically talked about the elderberry bush. And it was way before, uh, now you go into Whole Foods, you'll find elderberry everywhere. But it wasn't there because I had to track it down in a homeopathic store. I had no idea what that even was at the time. But it turns out that, that science has already proven that elderberry specifically attacks the coronal type virus, like a cold, like a common cold. So right. if you find, find yourself catching a cold, uh, you know, that's something you might take as a booster, a, you know, the right. syrup. Uh, but we, he specifically told us, you know, a tablespoon, because I asked, you know, how much? Like, you drink like a bottle of it? He said a tablespoon, little amount, a little aloe vera juice. And then he mentioned a side juice. Now, it's funny that, that Jennifer said that. And I thought to myself, is she thinking of a side juice? No, he was saying aside, and I to find it, you you really have to look. It's not a side powder. There's a juice, and there's only one place I've been able to find it. Uh, Costco sells it, and so does Sambazon. So does uh, Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. So I try to have one every day, and I feel like I'm topping myself off every day. So I'm still washing my hands, got the mask, double vax, probably getting the booster soon, all that stuff. But also, why not? You know, a couple of shots and it tastes great. Can I say? Yeah. So if this is helping anybody, if you, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, is there any way I can help myself? That's, that would be something that would be like an additive or additional well, thing. Ask yourself, take it a step further. And I do this a lot. I actually ask and be prepared to get the answers. Like if you, if you're asking yourself, do I drink too much wine? Be prepared to have them say yes. <laughs> and what you do with it but like ask you what is it your body's lacking like right now i'm very strong which is funny is vitamin d came up very strong Mm. for me so i have to pay attention to that i need to go figure that i you know i take vitamins but well that's you know it's the sun the sun gives you vitamin d i don't think that i'm taking vitamin d that's interesting well you also used to go out at the beach every morning right i and i still try but yes i don't necessarily go out to the beach i see so what you're saying is allow that it's possible that your subconscious or your higher conscious or your guides ask really yourself want right to put now. That. ask yourself right now what is it that you need richard and the answer is luana uh, wants to come forward and talk to us that's the answer i'm getting She's that's ready to... all right <laughs> i mean i know i need d and i know i need c but I it's not what voice. you're thinking so remember audience when you are, when you ask the question, you don't have to say it out loud, but when you ask the question saying, what is it that my body needs? Mine came in very strong vitamin D. I know I'm not thinking vitamin D. I know that's not ever going to come to me because I do go out in the sun. Vitamin D. Yeah. I need, I need, to, I need, <clears throat> that is something that I need to address. Okay. I'll go on Amazon and buy it, whatever. You, what is it that comes to you before you finish the thought? that you describe. Uh, what uh you mean what vitamin i need or or, no. or general i can tell you it's like a long list you know lose See, weight tell oh, me oh. but what is your what is your subconscious telling you just first thought that comes in your mind green Ask tea yourself. green tea lots of tea yeah okay so, then i got it i can, I can go make yeah. some i'm Is not gonna right? go now but okay. i will make some yeah. after our podcast right. green tea it's got a lot of antioxidants Got a lot of stuff for you. It's good for you. Pushes things through. I actually, I actually love chai tea. I have that oh. every day. 
There's Actually, a coffee that you can get that you can put with almond milk. It tastes really amazing. Really good? Oh, uh, cool. Uh, I'm partial to Tibetan tea in Tibet. Shocker. Which is like a weird, it's like butter tea with salt. Oh, my God. It tastes so great. When you're that. In Hard to find, though. There's only a few people that make it. They make it at home. Anyway, speaking of making things home, uh, Lou, did you want to talk to bring somebody on your VIP list? I mean, it's not your usual one day. Last thing. Yes, one real thing. What is the title of your book for the audience? Will you Tuning into the afterlife: How to stay in touch with the flip side. I am not just saying this. It Richard does not pay me to say this. <laughs> you know firsthand. It is an amazing book. The audiobook is actually probably the most perfected audiobook that you have right now. Well, I, I worked on it. Yeah, I worked on it. So, I mean, yeah. I hope it is. You know, listen, I. It is. You know, it is. It is really. It's a great audiobook. It's I do burst into tears at one point. I won't tell you when, but I, I was reading something. You burst into laughter about me <laughs> several times. <laughs> you do make me laugh. No, but I, I found myself so emotionally touched and moved. Actually, it's in the part about the intermission where I, I, I sort of structured the book like a musical symphony. And there's an intermission where I talk about, you know, put great quotes from musicians. And I got to this weird quote that I saw on Twitter from James Brolin's son, Josh. I'd met James. Um, he's in a film that I directed. But anyway, I'm just reading what he's saying, what he wrote on Twitter. And in the middle of it, I can't, I couldn't go on. So I apologize for... Well, not really. I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying, I said, you know, sometimes I'll allow, you know, I could, I could stop and then start over, but I think, you know, it's just be as real as you can while you're reading. And watch your thoughts, write them down because you're listening. Yeah. So when I was listening, I, I was also multitasking in my head. I'm like, okay, I need to call my sister. I want her to come up. And then right as I said that you're like, and 66, your dad in the highway, like, right? I'm like, and my dad's like, ding, 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 ding. Like, oh, that's funny. Signs to call my sister. That's funny because right? I'm reading Jennifer's part. You know what right. I mean? It's, it's the transcript right. of our sessions. And so I'm trying to read as if I'm Jennifer and I'm talking in like in a different cadence. And then Richard, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, kind of silly. Well, I mean, we haven't talked to Lou in a couple of, you know, 10 days at least. She pops up often. But does she have somebody she wants us to talk to? And somebody that you talked to yesterday. All righty. Um, mm, hold on. Nat King Cole. Did you hear a song or something dealing with Nat King Cole, or did you have? Well, let's not judge it. I mean, it's possible that I, you know, I drive around listening to music all the time. One of Nat's songs might have come on. All right. Uh, not, hold on. Ah, Nat King Cole. I don't know why. Well, very good. Let's invite Nat to take a seat. How are you, sir? What's going on? How? What's? What's the latest? He's the one that, again, sorry for my ignorance, but he was showing me beautiful. Did he sing a song that? Oh, okay. No, no, no. This is interesting. You are so beautiful. You are so beautiful. So let, let me just, let me break this, unpack this. This is somebody I thought about yesterday. I just got to chill. Um, and I invited him to come and speak. He showed you Nat King Cole because Nat King Cole was a pianist, an mm -hmm. African-American who sat behind a piano and sang. And you would not know this person, but I do. And this is what makes our, our uh, collaboration so unusual. And yesterday I thought, well, yeah, I'd love to talk to him. And so he just showed up. He wrote that song, the guy that we're going to talk to. Yeah. Okay. He wrote that song, You Are So Beautiful. Okay. I'm not going to tell you his name right now. 
No, no, don't tell me his name. But did Nat King Cole sing it? No, but he showed you an image so that you would right, lead you to this part. guy behind the piano. Wow, interesting. Okay. Uh, and for those out there who are listening in, follow along with me. All right, so I'm going to call him. I'm going to tell you that his first name, okay? You can just give me an initial. doesn't matter. Well, Billy. His first name is Billy. Okay. And... Billy, is uh, first I want to ask, is this you? Have I got that right? Yes. Okay. It was something we talked to you yesterday. <laughs> very very good. Life. This is my Billy. And Billy, I want to ask you about your life. Um, so You just showed me it was fast. It was fast. fast. It was fast. Like, uh, he, like he was running a million miles a minute without doing that. But yeah. Okay. Uh, very good. And please tell us who was there to greet you when you crossed over. Did he play drums, Paul? I know you mentioned the piano, but did he play drums, this Billy? Uh, no, but here's what I want to ask him. Um, who was there to greet you when you crossed over? His dad. His dad. And was that a happy reunion or what was that like for you? Confused. 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 You didn't know where you were or you didn't know what he was doing there? We didn't get along. Okay. And were you were you able to bypass that and realize that you guys oh, absolutely. had absolutely within seconds within, within like, seconds within like yeah very good uh, I know I want to ask you some questions about your life well let's talk about the flip side first so can you point to Jennifer people that are in our class that Thanks. no uh, people that you worked with let me let me just say that Prince of course is is here in our class, but people that you worked with in your life, people you played with. Um, he just showed me the guy that, um, Sammy Davis Jr., I think, but I know that he didn't sing, so I have no idea what that means. Well, he would, he would certainly want to say hello to Sammy, but there is a particular person that I worked with. Uh, I'll just say his name, Ray. Uh, Ray Charles. Ah. And so, Billy, I want to know what it was like when you saw Ray Charles. Okay. So I get confused, and I'm really sorry about Ray Charles and Sammy Davis Jr. But that's, all, that's all right. And I just, the audience, I want you to know I'm not leading Jennifer, but I am because we've been doing this for so long. Seven it, years. Me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just shorthand. But, but this is, she doesn't right. know who Billy is. Let's just put it that way. But I, I do. And I want to know what your reaction was to seeing Ray Charles love like this enormous amount of love like as if they were together here it was very i'm not saying that they were but he's just showing me just so much well, no i understand you're saying like even more everywhere uh, but what were you trying to say that it felt more intimate than just is that what you're saying it was beyond love way beyond love like something yep. that can words cannot describe okay and uh and so, well, and what was Ray's reaction to seeing you, Billy? Shit. What got you up here? <laughs> like, shit, what got <laughs> you up here? Like, you were here too soon <laughs> kind of thing, but you had an amazing life. But here's the, what I want to ask you. Somebody that's not, that's still on the planet, uh, a, a musician named Eric, was at your bedside, not when you passed, but before you passed. And I just read the other day how he had come and, and tried to take care of you and like combed your hair. Were you aware of that? Outside looking in, yes. And what's your, what would you like to say to that fella named Eric? We're not talking about Clapton, correct? We are. Cause that's normal. <laughs> he kept on saying Eric Clapton. I'm like, come on, Eric was by your bed. No, that was, that was who Went to his bedside and I'm sorry, his I don't I do not mean to diminish it. I just you know there's a thousand well, no, I, I'm not trying to uh yeah. as you know, I'm trying not trying to lead you, but I Eric, know. so Eric was by your bedside. What was your what do you want to say to Eric? That's my question. Thank you. He encouraged him to go. Interesting. I heard that he kissed you on the cheek or he would he brush your hair. He did. He held right. my hand. All right. So, Billy, let's talk about your life. I, I'm going to start with the 
worst part of your life. Uh, when you were a child, would you want to show to Jennifer what happened to you as a child? Was he an orphan? I or don't like know if he was an orphan, but there were some events that happened to him. Okay. If you want to talk about it. All right. So I got either burning or did he have anything with burns at all? Or? That's a possibility. There was abuse. It was physical and sexual abuse. Uh, you know, that kind of child abuse. Yeah. Okay. And, but, and then Billy, she still doesn't know who you are. So we can talk about this. Mm -mm. Um, then a little bit. And then later in life, uh, you had a preference towards that, men. Yes. He said it, well, that was the whole thing with Ray. Like for me, it was the love with Ray. Like I had a love. Love of his life. Ray. Like that was something like the love of his life. Words cannot express. I don't know. So, well, life. you don't know, but this, this person was was brought into Ray's band when he was a teenager and mm -hmm. and played and he was such a good player that Ray made him like part of his band. I mean it's unbelievable. He stopped playing the instrument that he used to play to let Billy play it. So what was that like? Because you seem like an, an effervescent kind of person. You seem so happy. Uh, I just saw a clip of you the other day dancing. Ray, so Ray saw in him what he like ray saw in him him himself himself interesting of course ray couldn't really see him but he could hear him well he's the one with the glasses right well, it's right and no, ray will I, tell I, you no he was no i don't know well I, ray was of course i mean ray was sighted when he was a baby lost his sight uh you know he worked in my film limit up oh and God. so so I so listen. I know Ray pretty well. You forget that we've talked to Ray a number of times. We talked to Ray about his relationship. With I am so sorry because I only think of you know. I only think of some of. Well, Roy Orbison was a guy who was sighted and wore dark sunglasses, but in Ray. But I'm just teasing because of course no, he, he showed me the big glasses. But I'm like, no, you're not Stevie Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that he saw in uh, Billy what he was, and that's exactly right. Because Billy was an effervescent, an incredible dancer and singer and player from an early age. But he was also in the closet most of his life. And if you was there a, a one love of your life or besides Ray, or were there other people or somebody you want to mention? It was somebody else. Did he have a sister? I don't know. Why? Give me a second. I'm just going to say it. I can't judge it as you've taught me. It was like his, her, his sister's husband or something that's like his sister. It's her husband that it was. That he that he had a, yeah, that he had a love affair with or a love, love relationship with. It's yeah. allowed on the planet. You know, bi, people are bisexual and some people are really open about it. We don't know. I don't know. But, uh, the reason I'm asking is not to out Billy any more than Billy's out. I mean, he was outed by a, a famous rock musician who, who in his autobiography mentioned. Okay. okay, are you talking about either Elton John or Rhapsody or the other, who was the other person that... Um... No, Keith Richards, the, the guitarist of the Rolling Stones. In his autobiography, he outed Billy by saying, you know, after he had passed, by saying that, you know, he was a closeted uh Man, but that's a. I it's so irrelevant as for me even to mention it. I only mentioned like I was pretty much out there, but, <laughs> but uh, okay, so that's what he's saying. He was pretty much out there, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, if you had a love of your life other than you know, some or, or if there was a love of your life besides whatever your journey was, someone you really connected to that you felt like you knew from it previous was, life. I keep getting something about his sister and something about his friend or about her, you know, her you know, his friend or her, her boyfriend. You're going to have to research it. You're going to have to research yeah, it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it could have been, sister can also mean best friend. And it could have been something, you know, like early on, like his first or something. Like, like his that. first. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Of course. But that's not what I want to talk to you about, Billy. I know. I want to talk to you about, so... There's probably four or five solos that I'm aware of that you performed in different records of, you know, the history of music. And they're all like completely mind blowing. And, and it, when I finally realized that it was you 
it was only you. You were the one playing with all these different bands. You had all these bands that you played with. But I want you to put in Jennifer's mind the band that I saw you in yesterday when I was watching something. Oh, then that was, I believe, was the Beatles. Okay. And so why are you seeing the Beatles? I don't know, because I saw it on a thread in my, in Facebook. But Okay, so you're saying it was, it, are you, like, it was the Beatles, correct? Yeah. Okay, that is correct. Okay. So, so you haven't seen Get Back, or have you? You haven't. Okay. Oh, you don't know that John. I don't even know if Billy's in it. I just saw the Beatles. I have no idea you, if Billy's in it. And you like, don't hey. know no. that when, all right, so when John, when Billy showed up in a session, John said, oh, you're now a Beatle. You're the fifth Beatle. Basically invited Billy to come in. But but hold on, Billy. You hadn't seen these fellas for about maybe how many years? Five years? Six years? Hold on. They're putting in my mind that song. Um, um, John Lennon's song. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about. Well, Billy did the solo on Get Back, which is the name of the movie. And and when he played that solo and Get Back, everybody in the room went, oh, my God, he's he's here. It's like, no, we've talked to Little Richard, who you used to tour with. You were the keyboard player for Little Richard, Billy. And I want you to tell Jennifer what that was like. What was it like working with Little Richard? We've talked to him former dishwasher from Macon, Georgia. What was it like working with Little Richard? All the, sets, all the senses heightened all at once at all times. That's excellent. And when you toured with Little Richard, that's when the Beatles met you. And that had to be in the early 60s. Little Richard was a headliner. The Beatles were like the B group. So they looked up to you. Is that correct? Yeah. Hold on. You're still giving me different songs. I'm so sorry. I'll let you know the songs in a minute because that's no, okay. What is the what is the most one of the most famous Beatles songs? There, we're, listen, there's so many of them. I don't want to go down that path. Okay. Which one is that? Well, those aren't Billy's songs. I know they're not. But they're singing, and then I'm still. All right. So, but I understand. But let's let's turn our attention to John. And George, two guys who knew Billy. So what was it like to see John? But he said he was saying that um, how instrumental, like, so because of those two, what that did for his career, like all oh, the other totally. things, that, all the other things that took off. So if there were lights, he showed me their lights. John Lennon, I'm sorry, which was the other Beatle? Sorry. George Harrison. George. I've talked to George. I know. Stop it, George. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> with, that was with Dream Weaver, the guy that wrote Dream Weaver, because I read the guy that wrote Dream Weaver. I know, yeah, you did. George, say that. And he knows George. That's anyway, right. just show it. They always show me all the times that I've talked to him. But I just want to point this out because right. it's true that when John brought Billy into the Beatles after knowing him when they toured with him with Little Richard, it changed Billy's life. It led directly to that song. You are so, so beautiful. Okay, so when. Still, I'm confused by this, but I totally understand it. What was fascinating to me was seeing all the lights, the matriculating lights, like all of the lights that went up and lit the sky of what Billy ended up doing because of them, like you said. And this would have been a perfect chapter to finish the book, Tuning Into the Afterlife. Of course, you know, being the author, I can always put this in as the final chapter afterwards. No, because there's going to be three more books. There's going to be two more books <laughs> about frequencies because frequencies with art we're gonna go oh you art. did say that okay so so art billy there's so i'm gonna tell you his last name you're not gonna know who billy preston is but billy preston is the name of this fella okay. and i'm just telling you if you do some research you'll find out that billy preston was one of the most instrumental pun intended artists of our era because he played with the rolling stones he played with uh crosby sills nash and young he played with everybody and his solos are so memorable that I, I know him note for note. When I play, when I play with bands, I think of Billy. I think to myself, how did he make that sound? You know, how do I roll that, that Hammond B3? 
So, and when hey, he, so go ahead. Sorry, he just showed me something very interesting, which I find interesting. So Please. they're just, just for the record, a lot of mediums, the males are gay. And what he showed me was how he was able, it was so fascinating. He showed me being a channel. He was able to get music and frequencies. Oh. Like he is a medium, like I'm a medium. You know, it's true. There's a lot of men that are mediums that are that. And it's because, and this is what he brought to me, which is so fascinating. You like, when you are in tune with the universe, you don't see color. You don't see like you fall in love with, you don't fall in love with someone because they're male or female. You fall in love with them because of who they are. And I think a lot of meetings, because we do feel that way. We fall in love with who people are, not because of their gender or race or whatever, because we're told what to do. Clearly we're not, <laughs> if we were told what to do, we wouldn't be mediums. That being said, it was interesting that he showed me because of how he was, he was just, he enjoyed life, but he didn't have, he didn't, he was able to love all types of music, right? Just like yeah, you said, that's right. Gospel music, it. very powerful yeah. in his career. He, was, he didn't have any discern, like he used discernment of people that were around him, but he loved everything and everyone. So there's, so again, back to the point, I don't, hold on. I know. Hold on. Nice to meet you, Mike. Nice to meet you, Mr. Preston. Sorry, I didn't know you were. <laughs> Hold on. Wow. He showed me colors and then frequencies. And then everything has a way of being silenced. But silence is where you find everything. You know, it goes back to the whole, it goes back to meditation. You find things in this, you find everything in silence. When you silence your mind, then everything can be given to you. We've heard this a thousand times that the way that he showed me was like artwork. Like as if the second that I decided to be still, I had the most prolific artwork being shown to me coming into my mind. Wow. And if we could look at that by taking it, because we can sit there and go push things forward that we feel are exactly how, like if I tried to focus on my work, I would not be a good medium. I have to go and make sure that I'm not focused in order to get the right information. And they're well, more than happy to tell me, stop it. <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, I love that, Billy. I appreciate that. I would be uh, less than a good interviewer if I didn't ask you about some mundane things like the last years of your life. I know you had some trouble with uh, substance abuse and money issues and stuff like that. Was that part of your journey or was that as a result of the hard partying and hard living? I said, if you would have come out and have been who you were, gay and flamboyant or whatever, would that have been, would that have been okay? And he said, no. I'm like- Not in his era, no. Well, that's, I don't know the eras even, but he said, no. It 60s, wouldn't have been okay. yeah. He said, my advice to anyone is to come out as early as you can so that way you can get over the shit that you don't that is put up on you. He goes, yeah. it was way too late for me to come out and then think everything would be okay. Because that would have been just some, the nails in the coffin for me. Yeah. Goes, but the whole reason, a lot of people that use drugs are running away from themselves because they're not who they are. So that was what was happening in the last years of your life? No, he just liked it. <laughs> but <laughs> hold on. Oh, he was in pain too. There was a, he had an accident, his back. Oh, I don't know when, but a car accident or a fall that started him on that on and that path. Painkillers. He, he also wanted to die five years before he did. Okay, well, you've so now tell us what, what. So you said what it was like running into John and how John was instrumental in changing your life and career. What about George? George changed my spirituality. Tell us about that. He told me without telling me it was okay to be who I am. And that's how I flourished with music. He, he loved me for who I was without any predication or without anything telling me how to like, sh okay, show me, say that. 
sorry, say that again. George showed me that I was perfect just the way I was. Is there anything you want to say to George's family or John's family? People that are... Julian. Julian. He loves Julian. Hold on. That's very sweet. And I know that the white feather comes from... It was interesting because I, I was listening to the book. I was listening to the book, your book. And I heard about the, which I don't remember. So it's like listening to it for the first time, which I love. Um, the white feather and the darker feathers that you actually sent Julian a message saying, hey, um, what is his name with the- Paul brain? Allen. Yeah, we got the, um, we got the message from Paul Allen that because he was friends with Julian that he should also look for black feathers and because Julian, his dad had said, look for white feathers. And Julian said that he was finding a lot of dark feather. He was finding darker feathers. He confirmed it. So Billy's saying that I love Julian and there's something with hummingbirds with Julian as well. Cool. Blue. There's something with blue and there's something with hummingbirds. So that's something that you need to tell him. Okay. Makes and me think of, a, I think it's also a guitar. Probably. Type, label, ukulele, hummingbird. I don't know. But still. Ukuleles are like the number one guitars up there. And I don't think <laughs> ukulele is a guitar, but it's like the number one thing up there. No, it, is a, it is a guitar, but we talked about that. It's only four strings and only a few chords. So I don't get it. Well, no, it's easier to construct with your mind. If you want to play an instrument, you can build the whole thing. It's only four strings, you know, six strings or a sitar. Imagine what it's like for Ravi Shankar to like build an entire. Well, if I want to take guitar, I'm going to go talk to Eddie Van Halen. Because <laughs> where I'm sitting, he's a god, apparently. Well, you know, he's come through a few times and talked about that, that he's, he's still, still the best player. Still the best player. He still comes in. I and love I, that. He's mentioning the Who. He just showed me the main main character, the main guy from The Who. Pete Townsend, yeah. Pete Townsend. He was also very good. Did he play guitar? I don't know. Yeah. Also yes. Guitar, yeah, but. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's funny. But listen. And then Billy? Neil Pert just showed up. Sorry, who did? Neil Pert from Rush. Okay, very good. I don't want to give Billy Preston the bums rush. That's very funny. Other musicians coming on stage. You guys all have to sit back because we got because Billy's in the center spotlight. Billy's in the center spotlight for all the things that we're talking about and trying to convey. And and so Billy, what do you want to tell people tuning in who are? He said happy anniversary. He's happy we're together. <laughs> He's happy that they pushed me to like call you and have you go. I'll never forget. I was actually at my friend Michelle's house when I when I talked to you for the first time, and I was so nervous. And you're like, um, I really don't work with mediums, and I don't really <laughs> care what you know. Yeah, not mediums not my cup of tea, but you know we appreciate that. <laughs> you seem like a nice person. Well, but also I just want to say, Billy, it is unusual because yesterday I was watching, I was watching Get Back. And so anybody tuning in, if they watch Get Back, they'll see it. When you arrived in the room, it occurred to me that these guys had not seen you since Hamburg. They had not seen you since they were just young punks, you know, trying to be a band. And little Richard was like rock and roll and how they admired him so much. Paul used to imitate Richard's voice you know the way he sang it screaming thing and it and was I, too hard <laughs> but i also thought oh but they must have really admired billy the same way so it was like magic had entered the room and i john do you want to talk about that you want to just briefly i mean i'm sorry to i don't know what you were doing that we could interrupt you but you know what was it like for you to see billy when he walked in the room it was synthesizing synthetic he says it was a bright, it's like adding new energy to old energy or old energy to new energy to calm it down. It was probably that way, he says. And Jennifer has not seen the film. So no, she doesn't know that this is. It. All I was shown was what I saw on Facebook, how I saw the Beatles. And I actually, I'm like. And Billy's not in the Facebook and, thing. But and, and I also said, I'm like, wow, those look like great actors. They almost look like them. <laughs> but. You don't know that this is what they're talking about in the film, that when Billy arrived, when Billy Preston arrived, the band had been fractious and not communicating. 
and not being able to to make music. But when he walked in a room, everything changed. When he sat down and played with a, a lick for Get Back, he was right in the pocket. He knew exactly what to play. And the whole band changed, like literally on camera. And they were all, George was excited. They were all so excited. That's so funny because he's like, it was synthesizing. I don't even know what I know what that term means, but he said. Well, it's a very every, clever turn of phrase there because a uh, synth synthesizer would be like a keyboard, but synthesizing would be putting, putting everything together at the same time. I'm giving you credit, John, for being a wordsmith and a master. Uh, Billy, well, was it clearly, George? Clearly, oh. you know, I didn't come up with that. <laughs> well, Billy, did George, was that who ran into you? Was George the one who roped you into coming in to, to sit in with the Beatles? Yeah. So he's the key. He's the culprit who changed your life. Wasn't John. John was the background noise of wanting me there. But it was George saying, just follow your gut, follow your heart. Um, George said, we needed you. We need your energy. So that was the whole energy, which I thought was interesting. He's like, Billy brought new energy to old energy and synthesized it and synthesized it and brought it back to a whole different awareness. And, and what's so unusual is that the name of the album and the name of the movie is they were trying to get back to who they were when they first were a band playing everywhere. I win. <laughs> but that idea of, you know, somebody pointed out, you, they, they were trying to plan a concert and, you know, how many people could see them? 60,000. It didn't matter. They, they weren't allowed to perform live because too many people would show up. It was just crazy. People were crazy. So this was like their last concert together. And Billy was instrumental, pun intended, in making that happen and making them be focused and playing on the rooftop with them. Which you two was just brought to my attention. They did the same thing in one of their videos. The streets have no name, which is also a reference to heaven. That's where you go. Or Vegas, one of the two. No. <laughs> so I'm Billy, going to Vegas next week, by the way, so I won't be here on Thursday. Oh, my gosh. I was supposed to go yeah. a couple days ago. I just didn't. For football. Oh, well, that'll be fun. Well, what can I say other than what a thrill to have Billy Preston stop by to think of him the other day and to think, oh, he would be a wonderful person to talk to. He wrote to. that song, You Are So Beautiful. He wrote that song. That uh, so he co-wrote it, I think, with uh, Diane Warren, possibly. I think so. And Joe Cocker, of course. And Joe, I've met. Uh, Joe, Have you seen Joe since you were back there, Billy? Several times. What's that like? What was that like to run into Joe? pain in my ass. <laughs> yeah. he, was he acerbic? Is that what you mean? He was kind of sarcastic or funny or what? All of it. Yeah. All of it. Oh, that's really cool. What's See, this is, this is great material for your second book. Very true. And, you know, Joe, we, will, we, had, we didn't interview you before. Uh, out, of, out of respect for my friend who played in your band. Um, but we will in, our, in the next book. For sure. We also sure. have to have a pet book I'm getting too with Hira as a pet book. You like that? Okay. You know, that's a hilarious idea, but it's really a great idea. And we, you need to put on Cora. We needed, I would love to put a workbook together with you or have you do it. In, or, what do you mean? Like uh, our, but we have that workbook and, and our, you know, backstage pass to the flip side. I know, but I think that there's another workbook for this one on how to read this book because you can open it into any page and just see what we're referencing, whether it's about, because there's themes throughout this whole book. I don't know. No, no, I think you're right. I think the workbook I wanna, is. What I want to do is have a forum with you where we go online and then we take questions within the book about you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's hilarious because, of course, when I'm with you anywhere, people want to talk to their loved ones through you, and I'm there going, well, wait, we could, uh, don't you want to? Uh, Let's just do that at the end. <laughs> we'll do a half and half. That's fine. How, how lovely. That would be great. You know, a cruise ship. We need to do that for 2023 because, well. Right. A cruise ship with Jennifer and Richard. 
there's four more variants, huge variants that there's four more huge variants that I keep seeing that are going to come out. I don't know why, but um, okay, lovely. <laughs> we're going to be okay. We just are going to know how to deal with it. Well, anyway, so Billy, Mr. Preston, what else would you like to say? I mean, I think it's fascinating that Eric Clapton came to see you and says one, two, three. I think it's fascinating that they showed me Eric Clapton, but I fought it. That was but also, you know, Eric's been getting a lot of grief recently because he he's been saying he didn't want his fans, you know, back vaccinated. And then they started digging up. And at one point he had some kind of a racist rant that he did in his worst drug phase. But he was there kissing uh, his for Billy Preston's forehead and combing his hair. Um, the point being, he, he didn't see color. But is, that's why I asked if he had any message for Eric. He sees Eric. Like, he tell, sees Eric, it. tell Eric, I see him. I love you, brother. That's beautiful. And there's like a pinky swear that they're helping each other from the other side that Eric knows he's helping him. That's great. And, yeah. uh, and, and do you help other musicians? What? Hold on. <laughs> this is so weird. And I know Billy's Billy Eilish. And well, she's got, you know, she's got synesthesia. So she's got. I read about that. I love uh, that. And her dad and her brother. So they've all got altered filters. Um, well, everybody comes to me. I have to say, everybody, I can feel everybody's. How do I say this without sounding? I can. Well, you see people in that kind of third dimension or fourth dimension, or fifth dimension, whatever that is. And she does too. Billy looks at people and sees them in a certain dimensional uh, way, as she mentioned about uh, Jimmy Fallon. Anyway, yeah, what a fantastic that documentary, by the way, if you get a chance to see it. Oh my gosh, it's really good. But Billy Eilish? No, Billy Eilish. I did see that. I, I couldn't her. believe it. Couldn't really fascinating. Her. Yeah, she's great. But um, uh, but also, you guys, I know I don't have you for too long. But uh, get back. You guys want to be you want to be able to see that film. That's mind bending. You know, film. Yeah. <laughs> I almost don't want to see it because I feel like we have a lot more interviews that are coming too with that the Beatles film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't Why wouldn't you? Know. Oh, I you feel like there's more material that we're going to cover that's within the film. That's possible. I mean, you know, I whatever. Well, I mean, we've, you know, it's wonderful. We talked to George. We talk, it's weird because, you know, I'm watching the movie. Of course, I had my opinion of, you know, who these people were. And I'm seeing them in full dimensional, seeing their, seeing George, the way he's so uh, tender with his friends and also creative and listening, the way he listens. Fascinating. And John, so funny and lighthearted. And Paul. So but that's how they are. I didn't know that, but that's how so they are. Brilliantly talented. And Ringo, I mean, it's re it's ridiculous. He 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 has to wait for hours, but he's so present when they need him to play. And he's so sort of like lighthearted. It's such an unusual mix of humans and how they ever found each other. It's mind-bending. But the, the film really shows that. That right, they pulled right outside of time, these timeless moments between friends creating music it's really a testament to them and billy who is now the fifth beetle according to john synthesizer the synthesizer very so good maybe we all be synthesizers in our own worlds right true how long do i have you for darling a minute one more minute oh, all right oh i have to go right now i know you do that's you. why i'm looking at the clock <laughs> billy Thank you for stopping by. Jennifer, we love you. Happy anniversary. I love you. I love you. Happy anniversary. Thank I'm you. so grateful you're in my life. This book, I'm not just saying this, you guys. Get this book. Please get this book. It answers so many questions about how to talk to the afterlife, what it means, at the expense of laughing at me, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> You put, you really did a masterpiece. And I, I promise you, like he just told me the night before Thanksgiving, I'm like, it's our anniversary tomorrow. He's like, I just dropped the book. I downloaded it then. 
I've been listening to it ever since. I'll be listening to it tonight when I'm decorating my Christmas tree. Wow. It, it truly is. And I'm, again, it's not, I'm not just saying this because Richard, but if it helps me and I'm a medium, you can only imagine what it could do for someone that isn't a medium or someone that just wants to see what's out there. We're the skate. We are doing those quadruple jumps as, as figure skating for this type of work. Everyone now can tap in. Everyone can. You just have to believe it. Right. Wow. That's 99% of that's 99% of what it is, is believing in it. Because if you don't believe you can do something, then you won't. If you could, obviously, if you're four two and you want to play basketball in the NBA, you might not have a chance. But if you have something that you are thinking about that you really want to get your purpose out there, start talking to the other side. They are going to help you with your purpose. I promise you. Beautifully said. Thank right. you, Jennifer. Thank you, Billy you. Preston. Thank you, the rest of the folks that we talked to today. We love you. Thank you very much. All right, yeah. to the next seven years. To the next seven years. This has been Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. For more information, jenniferschaefer.com, martinizone.com, or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Gaia.com via Amazon Prime.